You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. All right. Well, Father, I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for, goodness, all of the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. And I thank you that our faith becomes effectual as we acknowledge those good things. So, Father, I thank you that today's broadcast is going to be full of all kinds of good things that will make our faith effectual. And so I just yield to you, Holy Spirit. I thank you that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened and we know the hope of our calling. I thank you that we have been granted a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I thank you, Father, for the truth that we are one with Jesus. Thank you that as he is, so are we in this world. And I thank you that as we uh, dive into this topic today, that faith is rising. I thank you that who we are in Christ is being revealed. The hope of our calling is being revealed. And I thank you, God, that we are in agreement with the truth, that uh, all authority and all power have been given unto you, Jesus, and that we are empowered through our union with you to walk in that authority. So Holy Spirit, just take us where we need to go today. Thank you that as I'm speaking, that you'll be speaking to every single listener. And I just thank you for the breakthrough that is going to manifest in people's lives as a result of this teaching today. And I just thank you for the fruit that will be produced. It will be eternal fruit that will uh, touch many lives, Father, as we agree with the message. And so we just turn the reins over to you today and we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. So awesome, you guys. We are diving into part two of our The Real Antichrist series today. And hopefully you've had a chance to listen to the first part of the series. If not, definitely go and take a listen because today we are going to really be coming after um, just anything and everything that has that has exalted itself against the knowledge of Jesus and against the knowledge of the cross and what uh, Jesus accomplished for us at Calvary, what Jesus accomplished as us at Calvary. And we're going to just dive into some really good news today. So if you will recall from the first part of this series, I, I really talked about the fact that there are only four scriptures that even mention the concept of the Antichrist. They are all written by the Apostle John. They are in 1 John and 2 John. And we talked about the fact that the Antichrist and the topic of the Antichrist was something that the Apostle John was addressing way back, you know, centuries ago uh, when the church was young. And that this doctrine of the Antichrist um, over the centuries has grown into a lot of things that honestly are just not scriptural. And last podcast, we talked about Gnosticism and we talked about really the two heresies that were were taking place in the early church at the time that the scriptures were written. And we talked about the fact that we have to remember that uh, when the epistles were written and when the scriptures were written, that there were really two systems that were in operation. The old covenant and the new covenant were existing side by side. And what I mean by that is that until 70 AD, 
the temple with the sacrificial system and the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant was still in operation. And so there was this battle in the early church around legalism, around following the law, around following, uh, you know, traditional Judaism and actually understanding the gospel and what Jesus accomplished and what he fulfilled through his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. And so the apostle Paul was really coming after legalism and the, the, the law of works and the idea of self-righteousness and getting people off of that system into the place where they understood that Jesus fulfilled the law and that now righteousness is something that was a gift. It wasn't something that was to be obtained through following religious rituals or following, uh, you know, doing their own works. And then there was also the heresy of Gnosticism, which really went against the incarnation of Christ. And it separated the material realm and the, the spiritual realm. It went against the, the reconciliation of all things that Jesus accomplished, you know, uh, when the scriptures say that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, reconciling the cosmos to himself. And that this separation between heaven and earth, the separation between the material and the spiritual, that 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 was just an illusion, that the illusion of separation was swallowed up on the cross. And Gnostics went so far as to say that anything that was material or anything that was physical was not just separated from the spiritual or separated from heaven, but they also talked about the fact that the material realm was actually evil. They even went so far as to declare that Jesus did not come in the flesh. And so the Antichrist spirits that were in operation in the early church are the same Antichrist spirits that have been in operation since the early church. Uh, the Apostle John isn't talking about this coming of some, you know, quote unquote, the Antichrist. And he's not talking about some future one world order and one world ruler that is going to now exalt himself against Jesus and against the knowledge of the cross. No, he was talking about doctrines. He was talking about uh uh, false doctrines and heresies that were infiltrating the early church. And beloved, those same uh, heresies, those same false doctrines are still influencing the church all of these centuries later. And so what I really want to focus on today is that I want to focus on just how much the victory of Jesus actually accomplished. And the idea that Satan or, you know, one of his pawns or some other human being that is possessed by Satan has the authority to actually accomplish what so many eschatology, you know, es es so many, uh, so many different eschatological, I cannot say the word, so many different views in eschatology um, seem to present. Okay. When you really read uh, the New Testament. You really uh, dive into it, okay? And I'm going to set the book of Revelation aside because there's so much metaphor in that book. There's so many uh, different uh, ways that people have tried to interpret the, the end times and, and eschatology that I just want to set it aside for a moment because, frankly, there's not even agreement among biblical scholars about it. Okay. What I real, but what I do know that there are, there is agreement about in biblical scholars is, is Jesus Christ. 
And the one thing that scripture makes very, very clear throughout the New Testament is that Jesus Christ is Lord and that the victory that Jesus accomplished on the cross was a once and final all for all times, for all ages, the victory that we are to look to. So I want to start with some scriptures today. And the first one that I want to start with is in Matthew. And this is Jesus talking. Let me just um, bring the scripture up here. Okay, we're going to go to Matthew uh, 28, 18. And I'm going to read it. I mean, I'm going to bring it up in a couple different translations. But here is, let me just do it in context. Matthew 28, 18. But let me just go to Matthew 28 uh, so that we can get the full picture of what was going on at the end of Jesus's ministry after his resurrection. So let's go to Matthew 28 and let's start reading. Okay, I'm just going to start reading in verse one. I may read a little bit here. It says, after the Sabbath, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Verse eight, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money as they did and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. In verse 16, it says, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, and this is the part that I wanted to tell you, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm going to say it again. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, we talked last time about this word that has been translated age and that for the for the people that were <laughs> these scriptures were written to, they understood that the end of the age meant the end of the old covenant. It meant the end of the age of the sacrificial system. But in our modern minds, we have taken that to mean, you know, that we are to the end of the world. Right. But I want you just to, to think about what the words that Jesus said here. He said all authority has been given unto me 
in heaven and in earth. And when he says the word all, what do you think he means by that? I think he means exactly what he said. I think he means all authority has been given. So the idea that the Antichrist has some authority that doesn't belong to Jesus is flatly a accusation against the cross and against the resurrection of Jesus. And that, my friends, is the Antichrist spirit. It is a spirit that declares that, that Jesus's victory was not enough that or that it didn't exist or that it didn't happen, right? It's anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his authority. Okay, let's go to another place in scripture and let's just talk about the authority of Jesus for a moment. Now, before we do though, I want to go to I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to read about um really where our warfare is. Okay, it says this. It says I'll just start in verse one. I'm reading the NIV today. I just wanted to keep it really simple. It says, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Okay, so this is the warfare that we do, you guys. We are to take every thought, every argument, every pretense, anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his, his crucifixion and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension, anything that would exalt itself against the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ and what he has purchased for the entire human race, for the cosmos, through Calvary and through his obedience unto death and his resurrection and victory over death, anything that would try to exalt itself as more powerful than Jesus Christ. No, we take those thoughts. We take those imaginations. We take those pretenses. We take anything and everything that would try to exalt itself against Jesus. Anything that would say, I am more powerful than Jesus Christ. I am more powerful than the name of Jesus. No, we do not entertain those things. We take those things and we make it obedient to Christ. We make it obedient to the Lordship of Jesus. This victory and the preeminence of Jesus is the gospel. Yes, it is, it is the victory over Satan. It is the victory over the powers of darkness. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness and placed into God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is now within us. There is no separation between us and Jesus. There is no separation between us and the Father because Jesus and the Father are one. There is no separation between us and the Holy Spirit. In fact, we are now the temple. 
What was once a physical temple has become a temple not made by human hands. It is us. We are now the children of God. We are now the possessors of God. We are the very home of God. God has possessed us. We belong to Jesus. We have been bought with the price, paid for with the preciousness, preciousness, and we are the property of Jesus Christ. We are the very body of Jesus Christ. And that is the gospel. And nothing in all of creation, nothing in the past, nothing in the future, nothing in heaven, nothing in earth, nothing below the earth, nothing in any dimension has authority over Jesus Christ. So whenever we start to empower a disempowered devil with doctrines about some coming, you know, rising up of Satan that is more powerful than Jesus, we are participating with an antichrist spirit. We are participating with false doctrine. We are participating with something that is exalting itself against the knowledge of who Jesus is. Okay, let me continue to read what the scriptures say about Jesus's authority and about what he what he possesses because of his victory. Okay, let's go over to Ephesians chapter one and let's start reading in verse three. Okay, this is the Apostle Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. He says this, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. This is verse three. In the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Okay, now I'm going to skip down here. And I'm going to say this in verse 15. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his in, in, incomparably great power for us who believe. Listen to this. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Listen to this far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come verse 22 and God placed all things under his feet all things have been placed under Jesus's feet. And it says, and appointed him, God appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness who fills everything in every way. Okay. So this is about exalting Jesus. This is about, see, the Antichrist is an, is an exaltation against exalting Jesus. And when we recognize that Jesus is Lord, I mean, not just in theory, not just sitting in heaven, you know, watching from afar all of the current events that are happening on the world, like, you know, he's just got a, some, a little bit of authority. No, all authority has been given unto him. He is seated far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. Jesus is the preeminent one. Okay, let's continue to read. Let's go to a Colossians chapter one and let's just read more about Jesus. Okay, 
Let's read this. And this little section in the NIV, starting in verse 15, is called the supremacy of the Son of God. Here's what it says. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, and listen to this, and for him. He is, verse 17, before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth, whether things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds. Okay, so the battlefield is in the mind, you guys, because Jesus is the supreme ruler over all. If you just go and reread the scriptures that I said, that I just spoke, and look at all of the alls, right? All authority has been given unto me, seated far above all power, all authority, right? He fills all in all. It's like Jesus Christ owns it all. He owns it all. There's nothing left for the kingdom of darkness. There's nothing left for the enemy. If you go into Hebrews, let's just go there. Let's talk about, let's just keep going through the scriptures today. If we go into Hebrews and we go into, I want to say, I mean, there's so many good things. Let's go into, mm, let's go here into Hebrews chapter two. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm just going to start reading in verse one again. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of then, a son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. Okay, this is all talking about authority, you guys. It says, in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. 
both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am. And the children God has given me. Verse 14. Here's where I want to go. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery slavery by their fear of death. Okay, it says, for surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful, the merciful and high priest in service to God, and he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, okay, let's go to Colossians chapter 2 now. I'm just going to read the scriptures a little bit here today because we need to really understand the authority and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Because anything that exalts itself against his authority is in fact the Antichrist. Okay, it is anti-Jesus. It's anti the incarnation. It is anti the good news. It is anti what Jesus finished when he said it is finished. And all the enemy has is to try to basically say it's not finished. It's to basically say Jesus didn't, the cross wasn't enough. It's got to be the cross plus your good works. It's got to be the cross plus something. But no, the cross is sufficient. Jesus Christ is now Lord. Jesus Christ now holds the authority and of the increase of his government. There shall be no end. The victory of Jesus is a victorious declaration of victory of light over darkness. It is the light that the darkness could not comprehend and the darkness cannot exalt itself against the light. Darkness cannot defeat the light. The light doesn't even have to fight. It just shines. And so anything that tries to scare us, anything that tries to intimidate us, the enemy is a deceiver. And what he comes to do through the world system and through all kinds of life circumstances is to try to convince us that something has more authority and more power than Jesus Christ. But nothing does. What's all, The only thing that's left to do is agree, is to believe the gospel, is to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It has come. It came in the person of Jesus Christ and it came into us through the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Heaven has now invaded earth. The Holy Spirit has been poured out upon, upon all flesh. And now the only thing that's left to do is believe. It's to wake up. It's to hear the gospel. It's to be filled with the Holy Spirit and step into the authority of Jesus Christ by being his body, by being his bride and taking our thoughts captive to the obedience of the gospel, to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's keep reading. Let's go into Colossians chapter two. Okay, let's go here and... Let's just read this in verse 13. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, 
nailing it to the cross. Listen to this. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Okay. Jesus made an open display of the powers and principalities. He has disarmed the powers and principalities. Nothing can exalt itself against the knowledge of God anymore. An argument, any of these lies, any of these things, when they try to exalt themselves and make them appear more powerful than Jesus, it is a deception. And we need to not agree. We need to not empower a disempowered enemy. We need to not rearm a dis disarmed power and principality. We need to step into the hope of our calling. We need to believe the gospel and we need to take anything that would exalt itself against who Jesus Christ is and the authority that he has. We need to declare that and as false and we need to take it into the obedience of Jesus. Okay, let's go into another place. Let's go into uh, Philippians. Okay, let's go to Philippians chapter two. And I'm just going to keep on reading these scriptures about the authority of Jesus today. It says this in, let's just go in chapter, uh, verse one again. I want to read you in con read it to you in context. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if it is any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, verse nine, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, I have read some very, very powerful scriptures that describe the authority of Jesus Christ, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And you guys, these were the very scriptures that I began to study. I began to study them early in my ministry because I was being led into supernatural ministry. I was being led into the ministry of healing, right? God sent me to a nursing home early in my ministry. It was an assisted living center. And next thing you know, I'm volunteering to do a Bible study with people that were in wheelchairs, with people that were on dialysis, with people that had no hope unless Jesus Christ showed up. 
And very quickly, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a rebel, right? I, I kind of was like, wait a second. These people don't need a Bible study. They need a miracle. And Jesus, I know that your name is above every name. And so I need you to teach me. I need you to teach me how to do the same works that you did. I need you to teach me how to heal the sick, how to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. I need you to show me how to raise the dead, how to cleanse the leper, how to cast out devils, because you have a name that is above dialysis. You have a name that is above cancer. You have a name that is above headaches. You have a name that is above any disease. You have a name that is above lack. You have a name that is above anything that is not in heaven. So I need you to teach me, you guys. And that's when I began to get a hold of the authority of Jesus Christ. And I began to understand and have faith in his name, have faith in the name that is above every single name. And the Holy Spirit was more than happy to teach me. And this is the same name that the disciples did miracles in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels. This is the same name in the book of Acts, where people were being saved, where people were getting filled with the Holy Spirit, where Peter and John went up to the gate beautiful in the morning. And they told the guy, the blind beggar that was sitting there, silver and gold, I have none. But such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And then if you keep reading at that account in Acts, you know, everybody's marveled at this miracle. And Peter stands up after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's no longer afraid of a servant girl anymore because he's operating in the power of the Spirit. He says, why are you looking at me like we did something great? He said, faith in this one that you crucified, faith in this Jesus has made this man whole. Right. So our faith in Jesus, our belief in the power and the authority of Jesus is what releases heaven on earth. And so when we shrink back in fear, afraid of a one world government, afraid of, of another kingdom that's going to come and usurp the kingdom of Jesus Christ, well, it is us that has fallen. That is the Antichrist. We shouldn't be afraid of a coming Antichrist. We should be afraid of an Antichrist spirit that exalts itself against the cross and against the authority and against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so what happened to me, guys, is I got a picture of the authority of Jesus. I started to understand the gospel and what Jesus finished. And beloved, the more that I got it and the more that I saw and the more signs and wonders and healings and things that started to happen, the more I realized that the enemy is a liar. He is the father of lies. He is a deceiver. And his job is to basically try to exalt himself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he does that through a world system. He does that by exalting the name of cancer above the name of Jesus. He does that by exalting the name of of you know credit card companies against the the name of Jesus he he has us exalt circumstances and situations and he governs through fear and control and manipulation rather than rec us recognizing that nothing 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 is more powerful than Jesus Christ and if things are, are bad in the world it's because the body of Christ doesn't know who she is the body of Christ isn't standing up and releasing the kingdom of heaven and I'm not talking about taking over America for God. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about an alternative system. I'm talking about one that is governed by the love of God and that and that that 
stands on the side of those that don't know Jesus, that stands on the side of those that are oppressed and repressed and not welcome in our churches. It is not a judging finger. It is a reconciling finger. And it stands up wherever oppression exists and it, and it stands strong understanding the authority of Jesus Christ. We are not warring against flesh and blood. We are not warring against people. We are warring against a deceiver and against ideologies and against philosophies and against doctrines that ignore, that, that exalt themselves over the victory of Jesus. And so if you have never really done a study of the authority of Christ, if you have never, and let me say this, even when you do that study, you need to recognize that your union with Jesus makes Jesus alive right now. That when we say, as Jesus is, so are you in this world, we are talking about that the Jesus Christ is living inside of you. The resurrected Lord and Savior of mankind is living inside of you. You are seated in heavenly places in Jesus right now, meaning that in our union with Jesus, we are seated far above powers and principalities and rulers of darkness in this age, in this age to come. We have been given a name by marriage. We are the bride of Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus and we have authority over anything and everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And when I began to get a hold of these scriptures, number one, righteousness makes you as bold as a lion, you guys. It may sound like, like you're, you know, you're being, um, I don't know, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Like you're, you're prideful or something because you refuse to bow to false doctrine. You refuse to bow to anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. In fact, Jesus got crucified by the religious system and by the political system of his day because he made himself equal with God. He said, the father and I are one. And so righteousness will, will make you bold. It will make you bold against religious systems. It will make you bold against political systems, not to try to institute a Christian version of religion or a Christian version of a worldly system, but to know, to release the kingdom of God and change people from the inside out through signs and wonders and the authority of Jesus. And I'll tell you, I just couldn't swallow an eschatology that exalted itself against the gospel, that exalted, exalted itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he had done. I would think to myself, well, my goodness, if, if some ruler rises up that's possessed with the devil, well, excuse me, the name of Jesus is above that name. It doesn't matter who they are because we're not, it's the same game. It's the same, it's the same enemy. It's the same lies. It's the same false doctrines. It's the things that exalt themselves against Jesus that are the problem. It's the, it's the, it's the ideology of the world system. It's the ideology of the healthcare system. It's the ideology of the financial system. It is the ideology that basically gets us to have a different source than the source of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And beloved, we do not need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of the kingdom of darkness. We don't need to be afraid of a doctor's diagnosis. We don't need to be afraid of an unexpected bill. Right? Because we have been translated out of a kingdom of sickness, translated out of a kingdom of lack. We are by the stripes of Jesus. We have been healed. We have been made whole. We are no longer subject to the world system and to the, the things of this world. Okay. This is why, man, whoo, this is why this is good news. 
This is why the gospel is so good. It's, it's, it's the best news that's ever been told. But too many times we are exalting the enemy. We are exalting doctrines that, that misrepresent God, that misrepresent his kingdom, that don't fully embrace the victory of what Jesus has already accomplished. Yes, will Jesus come again? Absolutely. But he's coming for a bride without spot and without wrinkle. He's coming for a bride who knows who she is. He's coming for a church, guys, that is has risen up in, in her uh, rightful place and is seated in heaven in the heavenly places. And beloved, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear Jesus's return. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear anything because we are one with Jesus. And in the coming judgment, there will just be rewards for us. We will be rewarded. Our works will go through the fire and we will be rewarded for the things that we have done in, in Christ, in union with Jesus. The things that Jesus has done through us will survive the fire. So I hope this has blessed you today. I feel like I read just a lot of the Bible, but sometimes I believe like we need to read the Bible. We need to read the scriptures, but we need to read them through the lens, through a Christocentric lens, through a cross-centered lens that understands everything that Jesus accomplished at Calvary. Beloved, we have been born from above. We have been recreated in Christ and, and, and old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Okay. We live in an invisible kingdom, but it is absolutely real and it is entangled with the material realm. Jesus is holding all things together. He is the lawful owner of all things and he is exalted far above anything and everything, every name, anything that the world would ever try to exalt itself against him with. Jesus is greater than those things. The greater one lives within us. Yes, we will have trials. Yes, we will have tribulations, but we can be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world and that overcoming is finished. And all that's left to do is believe it, repent and share it. Give it away, give it away, give it away. Whenever we are in the, 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 the presence of sickness, we give away the kingdom. Whenever we are in the presence of someone who doesn't know the Lord, we love them. We operate in the gifts of the spirit. It's as though Jesus Christ himself has shown up in the life of that person. And how would Jesus treat them? How would Jesus love them? How would Jesus heal them? How would Jesus display the kingdom in that situation? Ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just as powerful. It's the same Holy Spirit that, that accomplished everything every miracle in Jesus's ministry. It's the same Holy Spirit that accomplished every Jesus, every miracle in Acts, every miracle in the Bible. And that Holy Spirit now lives in you. And it is a dunamis, dunamis power. It is a power that is greater than any power or principality or ruler of darkness you will ever, ever face. We do not have to be afraid of the future. The future is glorious because Jesus said that his glory, the knowledge of his glory will fill the earth as the water covers the sea. There is nowhere we can go where the spirit of God is not. Jesus holds the keys of hell and death. If you go down to the realm of the dead, Jesus is there. If you go up, Jesus is there. He ascended, he descended, he fills all in all. There is one spirit, one baptism, one body, and Jesus Christ is Lord. So God bless you guys. Take this message and listen to it and listen to it and listen to it until the fear 
of the times is uprooted out of you until the fear of what's to come is uprooted out of you until the fear of death, until the fear of anything is uprooted out of you because perfect love casts out fear and love never fails. So have a supernatural week, guys. I love you. And I pray that this podcast and this episode has blessed you. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalice.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalice's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalice.com and watch Shalice's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.